So I asked this question, um, over the last several weeks I asked this question, how is it that love is more powerful than evil? How is it that love is more powerful than evil? In, in our lives now, it seems like we're always kind of nervous. What's going to happen next? And we're just kind of going, man, who, we, who can we trust? And it seems like that, that evil is just getting so strong. But how is it that love is more powerful than evil? How can that be? Anybody have, a, have an idea? Yes. <laughs> she said, because God is behind love. There we go. Yes, Carol. Okay. Joy, that doesn't make sense. It's the Holy Spirit, the power of God in us. Yeah, Roger. There's only one source of love. There is only one source of love. True love comes from God. Yes. Because light wins over the darkness. He said, I'm the light of the world, didn't he? Those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yes. God conquered evil. God conquered evil. Amen. amen. Do I hear it? Amen. amen. Wow. You bet. Yeah. Evil comes and goes in different ways, but love is always there. Love is con- constant. Evil can come and go, but love is constant. Yes. When you love someone, you don't have to be paid. You don't have to be paid. <laughs> Okay, okay, love is giving. She says it's not about being paid. Okay, because Jesus loved us first. And so we really, if you've believed on the Lord as your Savior, your, uh, your response, you, you don't have one response, and that's to love him back. And so the question is, how do we do that? Well, the only way to really do that is through the power of his Spirit. The only way. And most of us in this room We've tried to live this Christian faith in our own strength. And while yet we're hanging on to some sin in our back pocket, thinking uh, he won't care about that because I need that to get along with. And we're, we're missing his power because we're not fully surrendered to him. And it's a scary thing when you think about it. You might think, if I give everything that I am to the Lord, he might send me to Africa or something like that. He might do something really strange. How can I trust him? And it's like, what? what? What kind of reasoning is that? How can you trust the one that saved your soul? And he proved it by going to the cross. So here we are in that, that kind of how-to thing. How to know the power of love. So in 1 John, so here's just a couple of our scriptures. 1 John Uh, chapter uh, 4. Look at that one with me. And then we're going to go to the famous passage of the resurrection. But 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 15. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And he is in God. 
And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. You see, every act of love that you do has come from God the Father. Because a true act of love is concerned for another, loving God back for his instruction, for his life that he's given us, and the way we treat others. Isn't that amazing? That the way you love one another shows how much you love God. Is that, is that, is that weird to think about? Because God is love, and he just said here, That God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So we get a glimpse. Every time you do something good for somebody else, you love somebody else, you sacrifice for somebody else, God is so pleased because that's his spirit. That's who God is. That's who he is. The power of love, the power of God was demonstrated at the cross. The most powerful love that anyone could ever, ever do is to die for another. And Christ died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Because you know, there's, you can't come to God with any sin. Your sin, you have to be perfectly pure. And only Jesus, only by believing in Jesus can your sin be totally erased. As far as the east is from the west, there's the east, there's the west. He remembers our sin no more. It's gone. You don't have to think about, worry about it. You don't have to beat yourself up about it because he says that he has forgiven you by believing Jesus. Now, confessing when things happen, that's a relationship thing. You need to confess when you mess up. Confess when you aren't doing things God's way. Confess when you you go into sin again. You go into fear and you go into anxiety and all those things that are not of God. He said, bring those to me. Confess those things. So, God is love, the power of God. So, we're going to look at uh, three examples of the power of God's love. The first example is in Christ's life. So, Peter will record that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You see, sin was not of the devil. Sin was when Adam and Eve, when we as people chose to do God's, uh, not God's way, but the deceiver's way, that somehow it was going to be better to go the deceiver's way. Every single day, you and I presented with that why in the road. Do I do it the deceiver's way? It looks easier. Or do I do it God's way? Every single day, we go back to the garden. Is that weird? We go back there to that place. And we find there's power in following after God. So Jesus proved his power by teaching people about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what he said? Was he said, repent. Repent and believe in the kingdom of God. In all that is good, honorable and right. And this God that so loves the world and he created all things. So he went about doing good, teaching, and he healed all who were oppressed by the devil, all who were overcome with sin. And he said, I have overcome the world. And he says, Those who believe in Jesus Christ, they too have overcome the world. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you have the power to overcome anything. 
And you know, the weirdest thing is, the hardest person to overcome is the old person inside that says, woe is me, I'm no good, and I'm believing that junk. That's a lie. It's a lie. God loves you, and he has a great plan for your life. He has a a life plan designed by the Holy Spirit of God. And when you and I get closer and closer to him, we get to experience joy beyond reason. He said, in my presence is fullness of joy. And the more we leave behind the old ways of doing life and embrace the new way, and we get to experience that love is more powerful than hate. Love is more powerful than anger. Love is more powerful than fear. He overcame that for us. So he lived that life, proved that life. He spoke that life. So Jesus displayed the power of love in his life. You and I are right there right now. Proving the power of God or power of love in our lives right now. The people around us are watching. If you've professed, you've confessed Jesus as Lord in your life, People are watching to see the proof. What is the proof? And he's given you the Holy Spirit that you can live this new life designed by God himself in power, in power to love others. So, love in his life. And then Jesus showed his power of love in his death. And he said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is that, is that beautiful? I, how does that overcome hate and evil? Oh my goodness. Paul will record, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's something in love because it is God that is more powerful than evil that you can overcome. It's the only way for you to overcome evil. Most of us grew, grew up going, no, if I just get a bigger gun, I can... I can tell them, if I, just, if I just go up to the bully and let him have it, he won't bother me anymore. We were taught that. Most of us by our dads going, no, don't take that son. You need to, you know, here, I'll teach you to give him a left hook. That's not the teaching of God. But s- somehow we have to retrain our minds in the Holy Spirit that love is way more powerful than a left hook. Amen. Somehow... But it's worked for us, right? The left hook has worked for us all these years. Yeah, now they respect me. By golly, you know. Just let them have it. There's a different way. How could one hanging on a cross who claimed to be God the Son overcome the world? How does that love overcome the world? Love affects people no other way. No one. It's like taking the legs out from somebody when they hate you and you love them instead. Jesus said, love your enemies. It's like, what? No, that's the kingdom of God. But you can't do that in your own strength. You can't do that going, I'm going to just be a better Christian. I'm going to make a list and I'm going to do my devotions and I'm going to pray and I'm going I'm to crawl on my knees and I'm going to... It's filled with the Holy Spirit. So the work is getting rid of the sin that so easily entangles you and pulls you away and distracts you from God because he's got to work for you to overcome the stuff in this world. And it's a way different way than you and I ever thought when we were growing up. I think you're kind of the same as me. Wow. And that little ranger thing? No, it's, that's different too. 
He called us to be family. That's why it was so important for us to gather and share a meal because we had a little bit more time to talk with one another, to find out a little bit more. And what I like to do just to, when I'm around strangers, I like to just say, hey, you from Whatcom County? And that starts a whole conversation. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to know much. My friend over here, Ron McKay, you get with him and he can get you talking. He's never met a stranger. He goes up to anybody. But you better be eating right by the time you're done. Drinking right. You know, in his death, he proved the power of love. The power of love. What's going to be written on your tombstone? You think about that? Some people have already scribed and said, honey, this is what I want on my tombstone. I was thinking about this the other day. What if you only had a couple of words to describe yourself? What would you, what would you say? I, and so I asked a couple of people, what, what would you say? And there's somebody pretty close to me said, I'm passionate about everything. I wonder who that was. She just, well, I'm just, you know, 100% Natalie. I'm just, I'm just passionate. Give me a paintbrush and I'm passionate. Give me, I'll work at McDonald's. I'm passionate. Just whatever I'm doing, I'm passionate. And so I have to put the reins and slow her down. It's time to go to sleep, honey. <laughs> but the scary thing is to ask somebody else how, you, how they would describe you. Because that's what's going on. The life you lived all the way to when you die, there are a couple of words that's going to describe you. Would it be that you are a man or woman, boy or girl of God? Would that be there? Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it that they love God with their life. There is no doubt about it. I've done many funerals, and it is so hard when there hasn't been very much evidence of them loving the Lord. And they said they had on their paper that their religion was Christian, and yet the family couldn't share any any life with God and it's so hard and all I could do is present the gospel and I couldn't say look at this example you and I right now if you believe in the Lord Jesus he's given you the power to overcome and to show people the way you have the power within you in your life and in your death when people remember you they'll go man he lived for the Lord So we're getting to the point of talking about his power and his resurrection. So open up to Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, what we find is um, the stone was rolled away. There was a couple of women that went to, uh, after the Sabbath, uh, to anoint the body, and, and the body's gone. And so some are thinking it's a rumor, there's... But Jesus' closest people are hearing that the body's not there. And so even Peter runs to the tomb to look, and it's not there. It's not there. But there were two angels that appeared to those ladies and said, don't you remember that he said he would rise again in three days? And so this, this is going out, this unbelievable, nobody comes back to life. What, what is this? And so there's these two disciples that were headed back to Emmaus, probably headed home. But as they were going, they were talking about all the stuff that was going on. 
And wouldn't you know it, the risen Savior appeared to them. They didn't recognize him. And he walked with them and he began talking to them. And they got so far that it was, evening was coming on and, and it appeared that this stranger was going to go ahead and walk on. And they said, no, no, why don't you stay with us and share a meal? And while they were sharing the meal, this stranger broke the bread. And all of a sudden, they were, <laughs> it looked way too familiar a few nights ago when Jesus broke the bread. And then it says in the scripture that they recognized him and he vanished from in front of them. So let's read this account. Verse 13, chapter 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they were conversing and reasoning that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained from recognizing him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one of those named Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Let me just stop there for a minute. You know, I, I, I was realizing the other day when I was reading through this, going, those, the weight of the words that they were sharing right there, the weight of the words they were sharing that they had been following Jesus for at least three years and his, the momentum and everything about who he was and everything was growing and, and the kingdom of God was at hand and came crashing down. If this was a mere man, it looked like this is over. Just the weight of that. And, and to think of all ways to go, crucifixion hanging for hours on a cross after being beaten, hanging for hours until you can't push up and draw your breath anymore. So when they were saying this, it was like, I wonder if they said it through quivering lips. I wonder if they said, I mean, they were devastated. And he was crucified, crucified. And they said in verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and, and uh, here's the weird thing. Certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body and they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Wow. And certain of those who were, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So here's the stranger. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Wow, what a way to respond. 
after they just shared that tragic ordeal. And he says, you foolish ones. You know, I was thinking about my life, and I, I do believe that a lot of my Christian life I lived in my own strength. I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, but just doing the church thing, putting the white shirt on and, you know, making sure my family's all at church and just doing the church thing. Foolish. I mean, missed the mark. I mean, I got it. I was saved. I understood it. But doing the outward sign, but the inside was not. I was still living my own way, my own comforts, you know. This makes me comfortable. You know, and so when I'd come to church, if somebody took my place over here, oh, now what do I do? I don't know. <laughs> That's my place. That's where I get holy and everything. That's where I sit. Now what am I going to do? Oh, no, I, I think I'll go home. Somebody took my chair. You know, who was I thinking about? <laughs> nah, just saying. It wasn't quite that bad, but, you know, I think that I could say, oh, foolish ones to me. And look what he says. He says, oh, foolish ones. He goes on to say, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets, what all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? Let me just pause here for a moment and go to a passage in Isaiah chapter 53, and that there, is, there are certain groups of people that don't like chapter 53 in Isaiah, which prophesies about the suffering servant. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And our chastisement, the chastisement for us, for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. The Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. We're all. The Bible says we've all turned our own way. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. For you and for me, he kept silent. He was the only one that could take the punishment for our sins. That's why we dropped to our knees when we really understand the love, the power of the love of God. He had to demonstrate how horrible that was in order for us to understand the depth of God's love for you and for me. We've got nothing to complain about. Do you know what I mean? Not a thing to complain about. When we do that is sin. We don't understand the sovereignty of God and how much he loves us. You know what tempting God is, is not believing that he cares for you. That's tempting God, is not believing that he cares for you. And maybe you're thinking today, but all this stuff is going on in my life. Where is God? Don't doubt his love for you. He has great plans for you to live out this love. The power of love is what 
the victory is won in. His kingdom is a kingdom of love. So every time we enter into that, every time we believe, the darkness has to run. The darkness has to flee. You and I are powerful. The power of love. So he demonstrated that by the resurrection, by his death and resurrection, the power as he came back to life. So go back to Luke chapter 24. So he begins to explain in verse 27, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So think about Moses, think about all that, uh, the, um, the shadow of what was to come and, and all that, everything that's in the prophets there. So then in verse 28, it says, and they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Do you remember what he said in the gospel before his sacrifice? When he broke the bread, when he gave him the wine, he said, remember me. Every time you do this, remember what I did for you. Remember me. In the bread is my body. And in the fruit of the vine is my blood. And he said to them, my blood is a covenant, is a new covenant, a new covenant in my blood that we would find forgiveness of sin and the power of love through the Holy Spirit, through Christ poured out on us through the Holy Spirit by believing that, saturating us with that truth. You see, change only happens truly from the inside out and not from the outside in. You know, um, there are so many times that I think we like to dress up at different times. At least kids, you like to dress up like a cowboy or dress up like, and you start talking that twang thing and you, you know, you're getting into the part and you're, well, I feel like a real cowboy, you know, or climbed up on the horse, you know, and many of you know that I, I grew up with a horse and, and so I, I, I don't know if you remember Zorro, but there was one time when it was twilight, I put a cape on and I went riding my horse. And just, I was in the moment, right? Didn't have a sword, praise God. But isn't that weird that we think, if I just put on a doctor's coat, I can speak with authority, but I'm not really a doctor. You know, if I can just get dressed up, if I put on a shirt and tie and a coat, I can speak with authority, or, you know what I mean? But true change comes from the inside out, and only God can do that. And you and I know, if you haven't stepped through that yet to be completely surrendered to him, you have no idea of the power and the joy that's available and just waiting for you. But you're afraid. You're afraid for whatever reason. Maybe you've been hurt, maybe whatever. But God loves you, and he has a bigger plan going on than you could possibly imagine. Now, the world might think, boy, that, is, that just doesn't make sense. The crucifixion didn't make sense, and yet 
he rose again, amen. He, he rose again. Death and sin could not conquer him. He rose again, paved the way for you and for me for eternal life and life with him here and now. This kind of power is unbelievable that he has given us. So, it says that he broke the bread and he gave it to them. And verse 31, it says, then their eyes were opened. And they knew him. Maybe they were thinking, I knew there was something about him, the way he was talking. They knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and, he, and they found the eleven, those who were gathered together. So it was, it was twilight, it was getting dark, so they had to go back in the dark. So I don't know how they traveled, they didn't have flashlights, I don't know how they did that, but they, they headed back seven miles in the dark. When they got back, they found the other disciples, the other apostles. Wow. So they found them, and they told them, verse 35, the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Man, we're going back to that communion thing. We're going back to the sharing a meal together thing. There's nothing more intimate, and yet he had a, he had a bigger intimacy that he was making known because it was the Passover and he's the bread of life and he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the risen Savior. Verse 34 saying, the Lord is risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. They told him about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst. So they're talking about him. They're eaves- he was eavesdropping on them. And all of a sudden, he is there. The door didn't open. He was there. Now, I want you to see something very interesting. And it's this resurrection body that is very interesting. He was not spirit. Now, watch this. But they were, okay. Now Jesus stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace be to you. Maybe he noticed that they were scared. (laughs) Settle down. And then this is what he says. It says in verse 37, they were terrified and frightened, supposing they had seen a spirit. Now watch what Jesus says. Why are you troubled? Why do your doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. What? No, no. He just didn't come back in the spirit. He said, this is me. Here, touch me. And if that wasn't enough, he asked for some food. Watch Then he said to them to this, maybe they were all sitting there with their mouths hanging open going, I wonder if anybody really went to him and touched him. Well, 
He did say that to Thomas. Now, I don't know if Thomas did that when he says, here, Thomas, put your finger. Maybe Thomas went, I believe. Yeah, I don't know if he really did. But he said, handle me, touch me, see that it is real. I'm not spirit. This is flesh and bones. There's something about the resurrection of body. It is not spirit. Do you know that you and I are given a resurrection body? That we're not just spirit. One day. I don't know how it all works. But apparently that's what scripture is saying about our Lord and Savior. He is the first. He paved the way for you and for me to have life. But while they still did not believe, verse 41, for joy, so now they're coming out of their shock, for joy and marveled, he said to them, you have any food here? (laughs) You know, if you go to my mom's house any time of the day, she's going to offer you food. Doesn't matter. There's something about that. But here's Jesus saying, you know, I'm going to show you that I'm real. So I wonder, it says in verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took and ate in their presence. I wonder what. (laughs) Here, give it to him. You know, he sat there and how long was that? So Jesus is eating. Hmm, this is pretty good. Wow. Then he turned to them, and this is what he said. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I want to pause here for a moment. There's something about when you take time in God's word, there's a moment that all of a sudden the words become life to you. They're not just words on a page anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? As you, and it seems like to me, at least it's my experience, that there's time. It's not just five minutes. Oop, got it, got it. No, there's something about time to hear from the Lord through his word that, all of a sudden, it starts penetrating my heart, my mind. He's causing his words to illuminate into you and me. And it sounds like it's the same as what he did for them here. He opened their understanding they might comprehend the scriptures. So now it's, now it's not just seeing what's all maybe wrong in scripture and trying to prove scripture to be wrong, but now it's all of a sudden, what is so right? It's life to me. This, the Lord is speaking through his word to me. It's life to me. I can't wait to get there again. I want to experience his word penetrate my heart and change my life. Do you know that every time you get into the word, he wants to change you? He doesn't want you to stay the same. Maybe you think, I made it. I've arrived. I understand this Christian thing and I'm, I'm, I got it down now. I'm good. I'm good. I don't think so. You're always going to be in training. So this, the scary part is that when you open the word and you spend real time in it, trying to figure out what he's saying to you, that your life begins to change. If you don't, it's a slow go. Not that you won't be changed because there's people that don't have the word, but it's a slow go. I don't know, maybe God can intervene in some of those places. But if you're 
If you're tough enough to be changed, open up the word of God and allow it to change you. What is he going to do with you? Way more than what you think because it's the power of love. It's the power of God. So he says, in verse 46, after it says he opened their minds to understand scripture, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance, isn't that what Jesus started out saying? Repent. That repentance and the forgiveness of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There it is. He gave them their marching orders. But not without this. Watch. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. See, there it is. It only can be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. Complete surrender, complete submitting to God's spirit in your life is where the power happens, where it happens. They couldn't do the orders that repentance and the forgiveness of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. You and I can't do that unless the power of the Holy Spirit is in it, the power to love others enough to tell them the truth and to live the truth in front of them. That's what people want to see is to live the truth. Years ago, there was this teaching that came out called the Three Chairs. And it talked about mom and dad came to saving knowledge and they... um, they were just involved and they were hungry and they were doing things for the Lord. And, and then the next generation came called the second chair. Next generation came called the second chair and they said, you know, that's a lot of work for mom and dad, but maybe, maybe I could just go to church and, and that's enough. And so the first generation was on fire and they were loving the things of the Lord. The second generation, the second chair, they just kind of going, whoa, that's a little over the top, you know, let's get a life and listen. Can we talk about something else other than Jesus for crying out loud? Is that's all you guys do? And let's just, let's just go to church and let's, let's play it safe and let's do that. Let's listen to Christian music. So the second chair. The third chair is the next generation. They come and they see grandma and grandpa and they see mom and dad and mom and dad are kind of going, you know, it's not quite so real. This is real life. And they look at mom and dad and they go, who needs church? Well, you know, that's, they're, just, they're just looking the part. Who needs church? So the third chair then isn't going to church at all, and they've stepped away from God. Isn't that weird? But that teaching goes on over and over again where there's a generation. And even in our, our service people, World War II, there's a generation of people, right? And this next generation is kind of like, whoa, let's, let's take it easy. And then this next generation is, we don't need it. Weird. It's happening all the time with us. It even happens inside of us every day. You either sit in the first chair and really submit to the Lord or sit in the second chair and kick back or sit in the third chair and don't even open your body. You know, 
It's weird. So, here's what's happening. Here's the application for today. If you have your pencil and if you have a piece of paper, we're going to do a cross stick, just four letters, Lord. So just on the left part of your page, put L-O-R-D. Did I spell that right? L-O-R-D. Lord. On the left part of your page, Lord. And here's, here's what I've come to realize, even this last week getting ready for this. The power of love that God has displayed for you and for me. So here's the power of God. The first thing that I realized under that L for Lord going this way is he promises to lead you. Okay, so another word might be direct you. This is what the Holy Spirit, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, he's promised to lead you, to guide you, okay? So that's the first one, to lead you, to guide you. Here's what the, the power of love is available to you. The power of God is available to you. He wants to make, a, the God of the future <laughs> wants to lead your life. <laughs> and so, He's offering that to you and to me. No matter where you are, he's offering to lead you in this new life that he's given you through Christ. He's offering to lead you. Oh, Lord, oh. He's given you the power to obey him. You see, before Christ, you couldn't obey him. You didn't have the strength. You didn't have the power because you were not born again. You did not believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart. It was maybe you tipped your hat or whatever. Obey him. He's the Lord of your life. That's if you confess him as Lord of your life, you've entered into that true place where the power of love is. So obedience. Like even right now, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, you can choose not to be offended by somebody that says something uh, to you or somebody that does something to you. You have the power to not be offended. You didn't before, but that power is available to you and to me. And isn't that freedom? It's like, woohoo! I don't water off a duck's back. I don't have to live in that. I don't have to, right? So, Lord, leading, he offers leading. He offers the power to obey this new life, to obey him. The world thinks it's ridiculous, that you believe in this invisible God that you can't see, but you believe that he created all things and that he wants to lead you and he wants you to follow him by obeying him? R, he wants to restore what's been lost in your life. He's going to restore. Over and over in the scriptures, you see how when people repented and they turned to him, he would restore them. It's like, okay, come on now. I got you all cleaned up. Let's go. But Jesus is that shepherd that says, follow me. That's, that's that leading thing. He's not going to push you. He's going to gently lead you. Okay, so leading, obeying. He's restoring by forgiving you of your sin. Forgiving you of your sin. What does that look like? What, what, what is sin? What, what is sin? Is Sin is, I, I guess the core of it is selfishness. Me, 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 I, 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 I want, I want. I, what's in it for me? You know, that attitude, right? 
That's the, that's the core of sin. I want to be first. I want. Okay. He's restoring. He's forgiving. In, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, when Jesus came and he said to the, to the lame man, son, your sins are forgiven, the Pharisee said, wait a minute, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is standing there going, well, what's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. Isn't that beautiful? Your sins can only be forgiven by God. Amen. By believing in his love plan, his power of his love through Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again. The resurrection power, the love of God. So, Lord, we get leading, he's given to us leading, he's giving to us obeying, the power to obey, the power of restoring of this forgiveness, and then the power of deliverance. The power of deliverance. There's many in this room today that have been delivered from addictions. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, save me. I was out at Lummi. I think I shared this uh, about a month ago. And there was a guy who gave a ride to get some propane and stuff. And I, I could tell he was using And I even asked him, I said, so are you using? Yeah. And I said, you know, you need to change your addiction, addiction to Jesus. And he said, you mean my addiction needs to be Jesus? I said, yes, there's freedom. Freedom in that addiction. So if there's any addiction you want, it's Jesus. Freedom. So what is John chapter, uh, chapter eight? Here's what Jesus says in verse 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When your sins are forgiven, you're free. You don't have to go back. You don't have... You're free to live. Come on. Freedom. Breathe the free air. Come on. He says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. You know, the, the uh, Israelites, every single year, they celebrate the great deliverance as they celebrate the Passover. And the, the weird part about the Passover is that it's both powerful and it's loving, or love is power, because he demonstrated his power over Egypt by all those signs that he did. He took creation and he just said whatever he wanted, right? He did that thing. But he said to the Israelites, in order for you to be delivered, you must take a lamb, a perfect lamb, and you must slit its throat, and you must take its blood and put it over the doorposts of your house. And that way, when the death comes, it will pass over you. You and me, Jesus is the Passover lamb. So somehow, in his power to, cre- to create the world and to manipulate the world any way he wants. Matter of fact, when Jesus was on that boat and the wind and the waves, he said, hush and be still, and the waves bowed down in front of him. Amen. He does that for you and for me. We don't have to be afraid. We don't, you choose to be afraid. Well, I'm saying freedom. Be delivered today. What is that addiction? You know, there's many of you that I see here that you've told me about the things you've come out of. Praise God. But he 
is to deliver every single day their stuff. See, the, the enemy wants to distract you from following after the Lord with all of your heart. He wants to get you just a little off so that you're not effective as you could be. And maybe he wants to derail you all together. So you know that's happening every day. And so when you see just this much, you know how the enemy works. It's like he just gives you a little bit and you go, well, okay, that's not too bad. And then he gives you a little bit more and you go, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. That's not too bad. Well, and you find yourself, that's our world, isn't it? I mean, most of us grew up, right, coming somewhere out of the 60s, and then we're, we see things change, that, things that were not acceptable on TV and in the movies. Now it's just like, so little by little, so for each of us, even right now today, there's something little by little that he's, he's got hold of your foot, and you can't, you're not free. Maybe today's the day. Get free. You have the power. It's available to you. Lord, L-O-R-D, his leading that he offers you for your life. He offers you the power of love to obey him, to love him back. He restores your life by forgiving you, giving you a clean slate to live again. He delivers you from anything that is messing you up. Maybe even there's health issues that maybe you haven't seriously been in prayer about to be delivered about. And maybe you have, and there's a faith move there. But maybe today he's going, you know, today I want to deliver them today. You and I are in a place of lining up our lives so that maybe today's the day of deliverance. Today's the day of healing. But you and I can participate with that because every day when we're not walking with the Lord is every day we forfeit a possible healing. I'm just saying what is the best thing I can do for my family is make sure that this vessel is not snagged by sin and make sure I'm praying over my family so that I'm not a hindrance, right? For what it could be for, for others. So here we are, Lord. So, so how do we enter into this? How do we enter into this? So his leading, how do we enter into this? Well, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you know if you are his sheep? Because if you do, you can hear him saying, come on, follow me. That's how you and I participate in this, in this leading is that we follow. In obeying, how do we do this? Well, Jesus and the, all the scriptures point out that God always warns his people he warns his people. What does it say in Romans 6, 23? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Amen. He warns his people. He said, um, in Romans 6, he says, don't present your members to unrighteousness, but present your members to, did I say unrighteousness? That's what I meant to say. Unrighteousness, but present your members to Righteousness. That, that you have the power to present your vessel to vessels where God's power through his love, through everything that he is, the Holy Spirit, that power to go way beyond what you could do over here messed up. So you have the power to present yourself. Whatever you're watching on TV, that whatever you're doing, you present your eyes to the Lord. There's power in presenting your bodies to the Lord. 
the fears that you have, they'll start going away when you start presenting yourself. The suffering that you're going through, you're going to suffer for Jesus and not go, oh, I wish, why didn't I, blah, 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 blah. But you'll just go, Lord, whatever way you're going to use this. In that restoring, that forgiveness, that healing is there. Freedom, new life. So once you and I have participated in this Lord, so I don't know if you, so L-O-R-D, his leading, uh, the power to obey, his restoring your life and his deliverance. Now, how do we help others? So I thought this interesting. First, we've taken it on ourselves and go, praise God. There's a way for me out of this mess I'm in through his power. So in this leading that God says, come follow me, do you know what he says to you and to me? He says, have somebody else come follow you. Your example to the power of the Holy Spirit, you should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. Your example is key for somebody else's life because everybody's looking for power in following after Christ. And so you should be able to say, look, come into my house, see what I do, uh, hear what I say, watch what I watch, um, and follow me as I follow Christ. So that example, and that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay, so... How are we helping people around us? By, by being that example, but we must do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then, how do we tell them about obeying God? Well, here's the coolest thing, is that each one of you who have believed in Jesus have your own testimony. First, you have your testimony of how you came to Christ, that you realized at some point you needed the Savior and you called out to him and said, Lord, I need you. I believe that you sent that you died on the cross for my sins and, I, and you rose again to give me power to not live this old life. Lord, I repent and I, I want to follow after you. Give me the power to follow after you. That's the prayer that God wants to hear. And he answers that prayer. So your own testimony. But there's other testimonies that's the coolest thing to hear people that have been walking with the Lord for a while because when you talk to them about how is God in your life, they've got these blessed, they've got these list of blessings <laughs> of what God has done for them. It's the coolest thing. So your testimony is not only when you came to Christ, but your testimony is how you walked with Jesus and you see these things done. I mean, there's times, I mean, simple things like Man, we need a parking, parking space up front. I've got to unload this stuff. Lord, would you provide? And he does. And you go in and go, praise God. Now, I don't know. I just want to give credit to God. I, I don't know. But I think every single thing, he wants to bless you. And so are you standing in that place of receiving that blessing so that you can share that with people and say, hey, you know what? There were people that we prayed for and you know what's happening now? Hey, you know what? This happened in our lives. This, this really happened. Hey, you know what? I just want to say that Lynn is telling me that my time is up. So I need to button this up so we can go home and have some more food. Um, so what are we doing? We're an example for others through the power of God, we're not thinking about ourselves. We're going, how can I love people to Jesus? 
It's by our, our example, what we're doing. And how do we, how do we obey? We, we tell them to obey and we say, it's better to obey than, than to sacrifice, to offer, to, to follow after him. And then uh, this restoration, knowing that, you know, wherever you've been, God's promise of forgiving you is huge and it's real. And he will never not forgive you. He's God. He will never not forgive you. And he wants you to live a clean life. So forget about yesterday. Today's a new day, amen? amen. So finally, in deliverance, it's, it's really freedom. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So this power of love in the resurrection is what's available for you and for me today. And if we should, should show, so choose... This could be a brand new beginning for you and for me today. Don't be nervous. He probably won't send you to Africa. But you know, he probably wants to love on you. He probably wants to show you compassion. Because when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory, he said, okay, this is me. I I want you to hear me. This is what God and the Spirit said to Moses. Compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, forgiving their iniquity, transgressions, and sin. That's my glory. That's who I am. God is offering that power of his love for you and for me today. To receive it, to be filled up, and that it would pour out all over those around us. But only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to just ask, have you, have you placed your faith totally squarely on the Lord Jesus? Have you committed your whole life to him? Today could be that day for you to walk in this, in this power that you've never been able to attain. Today could be that day. And for the rest of you, maybe it's like, wow, I, I, needed, to, I needed to hear that God loves me because I can't forgive myself. Well, you know what? Get over it. God has forgiven you, so, you know, that's what he Because that's the first place. You know, a person that knows that they're loved by God, they're carefree. When you know you're loved by God, you're not afraid anymore. When you know you're loved by God, it's like, I'm not afraid to love other people. I'm not afraid to trust him with my family. I'm not afraid to pray. But he's given each of you an assignment. He's training you to trust the truth of who he is today, that he offers that resurrection power. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, those in this room that have just decided today to commit their whole life to you, Lord, would you protect them? Would you empower them? Lord, would they tell others that have been walking with you this truth? May they, may they enter into this new life and enjoy your presence forever. We just thank you, Lord God. We thank you based on believing in Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again. Lord, for those in this room that are saying, yes, I want to go out. I want to go out big. I, wanna, I don't want to just coast anymore. 
Lord, would you empower each one to follow you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.